everybody and welcome to the DNA of film. Call Mark Williams, Taka Wingawana. I'm the director of Circuit Artist Moving Image, an arts agency based in Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington, that supports artists working in the moving image through distribution of works, commissioning of works, and critical review. With me today are three artists whose works are born from a dynamic relationship between the living world and filmic technologies. Nomai Haudemai to Nova Paul, Jamie Berry, and Jay Hoon Lee. Yeah. Uh, before we begin the conversation, I'd like to invite each artist to give a short mihi, introducing themselves to the audience today. Nova, would you like to begin? Tēnā koe, nā mihi nui ki a koe, Mark. Nā mihi nui ki a koutou. Ko Whatateri Toku Maunga, ko Waipa Toku Awa, ko Mongarongo Toku Marae, ko Napu Toku Iwi. So um, I'm Māori and my tribal affiliations are from the north of Auckland, Tamaki Makaurau. And um, I'm filmmaker, mum, artist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but Namahi Nui Kia Koto. Kia ora, tēnā koto katoa. Ko maunga tapere te maunga, ko waipawa te awa, ko pano akai te hapu, ko te aitanga mahaki, nati parau. Rungo Fukata me Napohi Oku Iwi. I call Jamie Berry Toku Ingwa, Tenakota Kato. My name is Jamie Berry. I am originally from Turanganuya Kiwa, Gisborne, um, and I am a multidisciplinary artist who resides in Pornike, Wellington. Kia Jamie. Jay Hoon. Kia ora, everyone. Hi, everyone. Very nice meeting you. My name is Jehun Lee, and uh, I'm based in Auckland. And I'm uh, mostly working on digital format, uh, especially still photography and video format. And I'm really looking forward to having a talk today. And Oh, Thank you so much, everybody. Um, it's really great to be with you all today because I've worked with all three of you um, over the past 20 years on and off in some shape or fashion. Maybe not maybe so much, more like the past three years, but over uh, maybe my 20-odd uh, years uh, showing films of certainly Jay Hoon and, and Nova, we go back quite a way. So what I really like about today is that we can talk about your, your recent practice, where you're at right now. Uh, so Nova, I'd like to begin with you, if we can first, in your film Morocco. The film is conceived as a, a completely cyclic event where a 16 millimeter film of Morocco tree images itself, thanks to a developer solution made from the tree's discarded leaves or the leaves you pick, which you apply to the film negative and create the image. So perhaps to begin, could you tell us about why this tree to begin to begin with? What's the whakapapa of this tree and what does it mean to you? Okay, so the Morocco is the word for tree in Te Reo Māori. And um, so I'm particularly interested in uh, the, we call it the whakapapa. So when we're talking about the DNA of film, we're also, from a Māori point of view, we're talking about whakapapa, which are the connections that we have ancestrally, but to everything in the taiao, in the world. Um, and so that is really a core component of being Māori is that you have a whakapapa connection and you can think about how we relate to 
how our place relates to uh, everything in the world and what the connections are to that through our ancestral lines and back to our mountains and our rivers, which Jamie and I mentioned, but also through uh, our, and this is the bit that I really love about um, the word rako, is our pūrako, which is the stories. So in uh, te ao Māori and Māori worldview, the notion of pūrako is essential to how we hold and transmit knowledge. So our traditions are oral, and our pūrako, the way that we've st- held stories, is actually our traditional wisdom is passed down through uh, tuku iho, through um, uh, through our storytelling. So storytelling is absolutely key to, essential to um, a Māori worldview. So we've got pūrako, and the pū is the word, means base. So the base of our trees is our story. So as you can imagine, that's got such a beautiful um it's such a beautiful metaphor it's such a beautiful image to think about in terms of how we approach it so then I discovered that you actually could make a um that you could make a um developer out of um out of any basically you make it out of anything that has a a, a, a kind of acid base a, a kind of uh base and chlorophyll or the caffeinol inside the trees has got just that, and early cinematic practices used to have, uh, used to basically use anything. So you can use anything that has this astringent in it that can actually develop your develop your film instead of what I usually use as Kodak developer when I'm hand processing films. So that was my lockdown project, was to, to working out a methodology to um, just really work through um, a framework to understand what kind of exposure one would need, what's the time, what kind of astringent you would need, what kind of plants produce, what kind of caffeinol. So lots and lots and lots and lots of testing. Um, but what it really does is it really puts uh, a maturanga Māori or a Māori way of seeing the world and our knowledge systems at the foreground, ground, for me it does anyway, um, of our image making, which is that um, here, here at Ako, the tree, here, here Fanunga, it's our relatives, it's our it's our Fanunga, it's actually our tuakana, they're our elders. And so uh, all of these things are, you know, really important to, um, and we have to really, if I go full circle, we have to actually start thinking about our relationship with the tower, the environment, much more than what we do to it, how we engage with it. And, you know, the wisdom in Indigenous thinking is that, it offers us an opportunity to uh, actually has the answers to climate change. It has the answers to addressing um, what we're dealing with. So in the middle of my project is a deep discussion with Rako. I had my reasons for, um, I, I had my reasons for feeling like I was really guided to this practice. Um, and it came out of a whole bunch of things about being in that, um, what I would call a, a te ao Māori space, um, which I don't won't elaborate here, but uh, you know, for that for, for Māori, they'll understand that they'll understand that there's a, probably a life force that we're connecting to, and there's a which we call Modi and a wairua, which is our spirit spiritual context. So those things are all really really important. So when you get a f- project like mine, um, yeah, so I had an opportunity to really, and I've got a I've got a long history, as you know, Mark and I, you and I've been working for a long time together and you know that I've got a deep interest in early cinematic experimental film and I'm not just interested in it being something that can 
like be a hack or, a, or that you get caught up in that. I'm interested in the poetics of that space and then how that space can actually um, work on conversations that happen in film language or in cinematic spaces or work on the form or start to um, reveal something. So I think at the at the um, core of my practice has always been this arc of a questioning of um, how film can offer a notion of self-determination. So we call that tēnā tanga matahaki, but how can filmmaking enable us to um, reveal our self-determination or to, to sort of what we're aiming at? And I think I think that, uh, you know, in the three-colour separation films that I did, so you, see, you get a full layering of um, that space and you start building a new world that's probably quite psychedelic and um, all of those, you know, things that it was. But in these films, we see um, that the world that we have to live in is a conversation with trees and then trees are the answers to, uh, and the stories from those trees, the pūrāko, whiramarāko, are the, are the kind of conversation. So in Rāko, um, well, what you saw, that came out of um, the first, you know, the first kind of thrashing out the test that I had so I called it Rako because that was the first of the ones that was really successful um, in my um, in my experimentation and uh, happens to be this beautiful grove of um, um, mother trees, uh, Peruri, that when I was a kid I used to camp under. And um, so it has a sense of uh, place for me, but also my friends now uh, connected to that, that whenua. And so... And then uh, Pereri as a tree is really important to where I am for you, Jamie, too. Um, being Ngāpui, uh, Pereri is a, is a really important tree in Te Tokura up north. And uh, there's lots of our stories. So our stories of trees, about trees, a lot of them are about Pereri. So um, very, very, very significant tree um, for us in terms of our our um, kaupapa when we're dealing with the dead, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those things. But, yeah, it's a very magical process, to be honest, to be able to um, take, you know, the leaves and do it in a way that's really mind, like do it in a way that's honouring that kind of, you know, what, um, you know, with karakia, with prayer and thinking about our relationship with the environment. So thinking that it's a harvest and that it, um, and I'm asking the tree for its image. Um, so they're kind of like, the images are uh, are not of trees. They're not taking the image, but they they shift a little dynamic in that space, which is that I'm not taking the image of the tree. I'm asking for the tree's image, and uh, you know that gets us back into a relationship with the environment, and that we are always in relationship with those things. So the the film is not about trees, but by trees, and um, the trees, you know because I believe that I've, you know, asked for the images and some trees haven't turned out actually, um, you know, that they don't want their image showing. Well, I think that, you know, that that sets up a different kind of kōrero as well and different kind of conversation. So that's that's in, in essence um, what, there's, there's a huge amount of, um, I think Masaranga Māori knowledge, Māori knowledge behind it, as you probably can tell, um, which comes from me being in that space. Um, but there's also, um, 
it just lands in the image and in the film itself. It's not intended to be all caught up in the ins and outs of how long I spent soaking the the film stock in the in the chemical baths, blah 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 that I created, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, or what their light exposure is or anything like that. In, te- in the end, it's like we're we're left with a direct relationship with um, filming the trees, and the trees have given us the image, and that's kind of as simple as it gets. So <laughs> even though it seems quite magical in some ways, it's actually quite a simple, direct process of uh, a tree giving you the image. Yeah. So any questions just before I jump out of that space? I just love the idea that it takes a, a career in a way to like craft something that is so um, refined in its concept. Yeah. Um, and it's it takes not, a lifetime of work to come to that maybe. Yeah, it's not just a career. It's a, um, yeah, it's a life and it's a life lived in a te ao Māori space and a matavanga Māori space as well. So um, I think that if you're sort of in that space, then when you land on an image, you kind of, um, it's not a big conceptual framework for me. It's just like, okay, let's give this a go. And, you know, it's not a big, uh, it's not, not, not a struggle because actually what I'm ultimately doing is engaging with the trees. And that, that is so important to me in my practice. Like, um, well, you know, in my previous projects, I've looked at the, my waterway and I've looked at my marae and, you know, all of those things. And there's, there's something about trying to get direct with that rather than actually have it all um, complicated. I'm trying to actually witness a direct relationship as as our traditional stories actually talk about it too. And as if you go into our marae on our meeting grounds, our speakers speak very directly about the natural environment and that is not, and the, the things that I've learned in terms of my, if it is my career or just me, you know, being in these spaces is that in the Māori world, the world is already built <laughs> and you reflect the world that is built. Uh, the, you, you don't you don't construct sentences that are really complex. You actually point to the world that's complex and beautiful and has whakapapa, has a DNA connected to it, has ancestral links, and you, you draw on that. So everything already exists. And what I do is I sort of point to the world that already exists and let it play out because, uh, and I try not to get in the way, actually. That's the that's the aim of the game for me. But, um, yeah. It's different because, and I guess in an English language, you know, concepts like I'm just rabbiting on now are, um, are built around language and they're built around. So you have a sense of what I'm on about by the way that I construct a sentence and I build an idea and I put things together and that builds a world. But that's not the same in a Māori world. In the Māori world, you point to the natural world because all the world, like rako, <laughs> tree, and purako, like the words come from the natural world. And so it sort of emphasizes what's already there. So that's, I guess, in a way, what my image making is trying to do is point to the world we already exist in. And um, without a doubt, I'm bringing Indigenous thinking into that space. I'm not, I'm not getting tricky on it. I'm just really bringing a, trying to bring a direct relationship with my image making and the tuku iho. Yeah, so trying to connect with our tupuna, trying to connect with those, you know, those vital stories that we've been passed down to us. Mm. Kia ora. Uh, Jamie and Jehoon, do you have any questions before we maybe move on to Jamie? 
I don't have a question. I just um, just want to say beautiful quarter or nova. I'll give it, Jamie. My all, yeah, just resonates with me. Um, I know. Yeah. 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 yeah I, it's a beautiful thing, actually, to, you know, I mean, I, I would say that my audience is my whanau. And I think I need to say that because, you know, all my whanau Māori, um, because my work is intended to uplift our people. And, you know, I'm really clear about that. That, that intentionality so I'm not into I'm not I'm, I'm into that and so yeah um yeah that's that's what I'm trying to do yeah so namihi nui kia nova Jamie your work it combines so many modes and registers I mean there's a sound that we talked about but there's visually there's home movies there's animation new digital video um I wonder if you could talk a little bit about all the kind of different modes of images that are in your work and how they function individually within the work and how they function together as a whole. Particularly, I guess, this uh, new digital material and the kind of images of whānau, perhaps. Kia ora, Mark. Um, yeah, so for me, um, when I'm creating work, I, I definitely create a soundscape first because um, that, that allows me to create a score or if you could say a script um, and then um, it comes internally like I dream a lot of what I'm going to create or problem solve while listening to the soundscape so it, it is a lot of um, of that going on um, but working within film or animation, you still need to be quite uh, methodical in how you do things. Um, so it's 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 a balance of um, of those two worlds of um, being methodical and um, organized in what you want to show, but also kind of being guided um, by your tipuna, by by your um, your wairua. Um, so I do I do cross over um, those two worlds. Um, but the visual side for me, um, I do use a lot of my my whanau um, within my works, um, especially in whakapapa and algorithms. Um, I created that over um, the first lockdown and it was the longest time that, um, longest period that I hadn't seen my family or being on my whenua. So it was very, very much um, a love story for my home, for for my whenua, for my whanau. <clears throat> um, another part of that also was um, if I was going to put that out into the world, I wanted the world to know that um, Māori are loving people. A lot of the images within um within whakapapa and algorithms um, are images of my brothers being nurturing, you know, and that's that's a part of, um, I guess, mainstream that you don't see. So I really wanted to emphasise those parts um, of what Māori are like. Um, and then I use, within my work, I use past, present, future, so... I will always reference my tupuna or my ancestors um, 
and I will always present what's happening right now with me, but I'm always looking towards the future. So you'll see images of my um, nieces and nephews and, you know, the hopes and dreams that I have for them. Um, but also that that love that I have for, for my nieces and nephews. I want for all my people to prosper. So um, a lot of that happens within my work. And then um, I also have ADHD, so I get a bit... Um, I get a bit bored with doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so that's when the whole VJing comes into play. Um, and what I like to do if I'm presenting a video sound work, I will open the show um, with a VJ set. Um, but I will also test out what the space is like. Um, you know, what the energy of the space is like, the people who are around, um, and then I will go by my instincts of what to share and what not to share. Um, yeah, and just being experiment, uh, experimental within that time and space with an audience, I think is, uh, for myself, it keeps me interested in what I'm doing at the time rather than showing the work over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah, so that's how I like to to do things at this present moment. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, love to talk more about the, the sound element maybe in a little bit. But for now, maybe Jay Hoon, um, be great to bring you into the conversation. Your works, um, the subjects are often sublime, but they're augmented. They're kind of hyper real. Uh, the, tree, the roots of a tree become many. Um, a mountain becomes much greater and um, a sort of a non-place in some ways. I was wondering why, why take a natural feature and augment it? Do you want to make the viewer aware of maybe the complexity that exists in these natural features already or maybe suggest some potential? Or why, why, why alter nature? Yep. First of all, it's all my frank experience when I came to New Zealand as an immigrant from Korea. And natural side of New Zealand, being in New Zealand is just a phenomenal, uh, you know, first experience for me, my first impression of the this land. And <clears throat> And of course, my uh, as a uh, you know like Asian, Korean you know up, you know all this upbringing I had and came immigrate to New Zealand and and also I tried to somehow has a cultural shock and so on because it's so different than culturally very different uh, background or you know system you know New Zealand already, you know, yeah, like, you know, associate with uh, all these different body of people from all different countries. So it's actually, you know, it's my also something to deal with my Eastern uh, philosophical mindset. And, you know, I always, you know, uh, 
love to read uh, some of ancient texts from, you know, especially Taoist texts from China. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, uh, some people are familiar with the Taoism from China and it's actually, uh, for me, the text is, the core idea about, about uh, Taoist idea is that uh, intimate connection between human, person and nature. So I have this, you know, big question mark sort of embedded in my uh, subconscious level. <laughs> and I sort of, you know, when I came to New Zealand as an overcourse, as a, you know, I, at the time I uh, enrolled uh, MFA at uh, Elam School of Fine Art at Ukraine Uni. And, and through my art process, I somehow, I like to exploring on this idea of, you know, possibility of a connection between me and nature. Especially, yeah, human and nature is too big. Maybe my, you know, state of being is a natural, you know, like, you know, sentient being come from nature and like who surrounding nature. So there was, for me, uh, all this art process I'm carrying on uh, up until now from 20 years ago when I just came to New Zealand. And that's the quite a big, still big question mark, but I try to clear, clarify my philosophical existential question through this art process, maybe, yeah. And, and at the same time, Jayhoon, as, as you're based in New Zealand, a big part of your practice is actually traveling as well, isn't it? And you make a lot of work through a process of traveling the world and taking images. Would that be correct? Yeah, that is correct. And this all came uh, sort of starting point of all this moving one place to another become really dominant in my art practice. And also, you know, it's, it has a similar uh, uh, manner to it because I like to locate myself in different cultural territories, like different, you know, landscape in different part of the world. And I some, somewhat, you know, like being uh, looking, you know, had a chance to being exposure in this new environment, you know, always, you know, it's, uh, it's great challenge for me to uh, find this connection, even though it's very subtle connect, you know, sense of connectivity, but that's the kind of become my, you know, like drive to make, uh, uh, make my, uh, my own art, art practice. And also I think it's, it's kind of, you know, it's become the 
like a main drive to, you know, to make something new, you know, new connection with me and new, this new brand new environment. So, and also I like the sense of, you know, of course, you know, moving on as a, you know, as a sort of a state of, you know, my state of being as a, you know, existential uh, state as a, you know, as a, this, you know, uh, this sentient being, I, you know, I always, you know, I like to put myself in, in motion mm -hmm. and, and I, I want to watch myself, you know, <laughs> put myself in the social environment, particular environment and, environment and my art process allow me to sort of from the distance, like maybe third point, third point, a person perspective, maybe, and I could, you know, maybe peacefully, you know, more, I don't know, insightfully, uh, meditatively, I can sort of observing, observing myself in such a, you know, possible uh, space and time, yeah. So, Thanks, so I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll stop here. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Difficult on these Zoom calls, isn't it? Um, the normal human signals get a bit interrupted by the technology. Um, this conference is called The Materiality of Screen Media, and I thought it would be good to dig a little bit into the kind of the literal materiality of, of what you guys work with. And uh, Nova, you've always had a very haptic uh, process, working with 16 millimeter film, hand developing. Um, what was that attraction to 16 millimeter film? Was part of it this, this haptic quality of actually being able to touch it? Mm, definitely. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I just think there's probably a bit more constraints in that space. So I really found that for me, zeroing in on actually you know, a language in that space seemed to be quite useful. Um, when when I think about the materiality of sixteen mil, um, like I think I think all of us are saying something about. Um, like I feel like we're having a really we all have a very material relationship with the world as well, and um, the content that we're filming. Like we're we're really thinking about. And I'm not saying obviously people obviously think that, but if you had a if you had a film that was very narrative driven, you might not approach it like that. But I think there is something about using the medium in a way that echoes the kind of material relationship with the thing in the world that you're trying to uh, engage with. And for me, um, it's not just um, haptic quality, which is obviously there, but 16 mil really is really amazing for or film in itself analog film is really amazing for actually understanding how light works and I think that's a really important part of my practice is to think about um, what's happening in that space and when you start dealing with light you start dealing really closely with time so um, I would think that the, the materiality of time becomes a really important aspect of my practice as well and of course 16 mil hand processing all that slows down the relate oh 
now you're processing with trees. It's, it takes ages, you know. So it's all about um, slowing down a relationship with time and putting a different uh, connection to that space. And I think those things also, you know, um, are echoed in the in the thing. So when I think of materiality of film, well, and, you know, and Jamie, you would and I would understand this. Until Māori, we 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 wouldn't we would say that the the thing in the world has a modi. Okay, everything has a life force attached to it. And, you know, I'm sure that, Jehun, you have a similar um, framework from where you're coming from, that there's a life force that's in everything, and that doesn't actually mean animism or anything like that. It means that actually things can actually be enhanced with modi. It can actually have it. So we would think that the materiality in something is actually the modi. So obviously 16 more has a modi, light has a modi, the object that we're filming has a modi, and all of those things coming together is, is is also my modi <laughs> coming into that space that's that sort of um doubling up that space so um yeah materiality of course 16 mil has a haptic quality and hand processing but there's uh, so many other aspects about that notion of materiality that um can be played into that as well i think you know and everything every you know whether it's digital or analog or anything has has that has that materiality and it's sort of what does it do that that, that is at the end of it so like what does the image do what is it doing and when I'm working with 16 mil you know I kind of am crafting it to do something that I want it to do <laughs> yeah so does that does that sort of point in any direction for anyone does that resonate with you Jehoon or Jamie definitely the Modi um <laughs> right Modi, but um but I've always been interested in 16 mil. I've never experienced, actually worked with 16 mil. Um, yet. <laughs> but I cheat it in the digital world. <laughs> uh, I, use a, I use a filter to to make wow. home videos look that way. But I mm. have uh, an appreciation people who still use 16 mil and who still practice in you know those traditional ways mm. so big ups to you <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I mean mm. I think that's a little bit of a you know that's the practice that I landed on and kept on following um but I think the main thing is you know I mean I can get caught up on that like are you doing analog or digital you know have to think you know are you casting in concrete or bronze I don't know it's like that for me that conversation yeah um and and um those are that's that's one conversation but I think it's more that actually you know I mean I've just developed a practice there so that's sort of I can't sort of haven't worked out how to wriggle out of that space but I think the main thing is that it's not where the materiality sits entirely for me in the actual 16 mil the materiality sits in how we for me it's how I work with time Mm. the materiality of time you know and and what does that allow me you know working 60 more allows me to do something with time and with light and with all these other elements that are as just as important but maybe you Jehoon have something in your background that speaks to that or takes that away yeah I I really uh wish to use 16 mil no, no, <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have like years 
the small experience of using uh, eight mil mm-hmm. film, analog film, when I was an uh, art student. And I, yeah, uh, at the, you know, class, film class, I had a chance to sort of, you know, like have, have fun with this little, yeah, small eight millimeter camera. And I still remember, yeah, like when I, act, especially after I uh, developed the role, film lore and then and then first and you know let it dry for a while maybe a couple of days and then when i put it in the projector for the first time on the world and then it was like a magic yeah so and i i think you know for you know i consider myself as a digital kind of artist yeah but I think it's, it's always, you know, there is, you know, I mean, or, I mean, for me, you know, you know, I have to leave, you know, this uh, leave space for the maybe an analog film because it's such a, you know, like a unique and still predominant uh, tool to use because it really triggers memory. Yeah. For my, you know, personal yeah. sort of perspective. Yeah. It's beautiful medium. Yeah, I can't imagine Jaehoon. That's just just me. I, I I can't imagine in a way how eight mil would sort of work with the kind of works you make already. It feels like. Can you can you imagine how would your practice change if you used eight mil? Yeah, actually, my background was in filmmaking when I was in uni. Yeah. And Bachelor of Fine Art degree I did in San Francisco uh, Art Institute. At the time, I was majoring in sculpture, but I had this, uh, yeah, some curiosity to intermingle with different medium when I was, you know, student at uni. So I had, uh, I took uh, some basic film class, you know, at the time there was, you know, using Super 8, uh, analog film class and then I just barely touched it and then that that was my first time and last time I you know put my hands on <laughs> a millimeter analog film but but I always you know I just ever you know whenever I see you know really phenomenal piece shoot from eight or sixty mil analog film. I'm just, you know, I, I, it's just blew my mind, you know, visually and it just uh, emotionally so makes me really, you know, takes, taking me to different state. So it's obviously, you know, there's gap between this term medium and analog film, obviously, but, uh, there, yeah, I, I think, you know, to a certain extent, you know, it might be, narrow down this gap might be narrowed down but but i don't think <laughs> i'm kind, kind of pessimistic about it so digital <laughs> is digital and analog you know film is analog you know yeah and then we all have to appreciate you know too yeah so there's much more possibility we we, we can go going you know back and forth as a you know, sort of, you know, this tool user, yeah, as an artist, yeah. 
it's an enormous freedom to going back and forth, I think, yeah. Is there anything, this is a question for all three of you, is there anything in emergent technologies that you're really excited to connect with in your art practice? Silence. <laughs> They're all going oh. back to eight sixteen. I'm actually itching to get back to um, painting, like mm. myself. Mm. Um, I spend. Mm. I also have a daytime job um, working for core education, doing um, uh, digital content. So I spend a lot of time on the computer looking at a screen so i am itching to get back into doing things with my hands and moving around a bit more and you know um but yeah i'm i'm hoping to do that probably next year uh, when i've got a bit more free time um yeah but digitally um maybe ai um but at the moment, my my head is just, uh, yeah, it wants to get far away from digital as possible. It's, yeah, I'm, I think I'm just in one of those um, spaces at the moment where I just need a bit of a break <laughs> from it. <laughs> I'll go one step further, gardening. <laughs> <laughs> More gardening. Um, but I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I... Um, well, no, this is a new part of my practice doing this, so I've got lots to explore in this space and can start thinking about the Maramataka, the calendar, the Māori calendar in relationship to what plants put out, what caffeinol. I'm, I'm off on a, I'm off on this one. Um, wow. And then what image that makes and blah, blah, blah. There's lots of stuff to explore in there. Um, but, yeah, just um, like wherever, wherever artists are, in those spaces, those spaces are going to get developed much, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be driven by such cool outcomes, you know, when artists and Indigenous thinkers and all of us are in those spaces. So everyone's got to get into those spaces. But my response was after three years of teaching online, yeah, no, I ended up um, coming out with a plant-based developer <laughs> and shooting into the dark room and staying away from online spaces. So, yeah, that was my response. But um, yeah, I mean, God, such a such a cool space when it's when you know the editing is running through and it's you know the post production is really sort of mashing up that space, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, in a digital context, that yeah, like what you're doing, Jahoon and Jamie, you know, like those those spaces where it starts to actually you know morph those spaces is really interesting as well. Speaking of painting, uh, Jahoon. Some have talked about some of your work as a kind of extension almost of a painting tradition, a classical painting tradition. Do you see any relationship between the video work you make and um, older disciplines like painting? Mm. Actually, there will be some, some potential relationship, yeah. You could have found painterly quality in my video work. And in terms of uh, composition, especially those uh, 
like yeah, old you know Chinese ink painting tradition, or also Korean has that tradition. Tradition is quite very similar style, like old you know traditional ink painting. And I may influenced a lot when I as a you know when I sort of you know start you know draw when I was like teenager and you know and some long time ago and uh, and see, because you know I'm uh, I I was raised in Korean uh, like yeah Korean uh, culture and also I I was educated from uh, in such an early age from Korean school system. And and also, you know, we learn uh, Korean art, you know, traditional art history. And, you know, I'm very familiar with those, you know, ink paintings and that simplicity of that, you know, it really emphasized in this painting, beautiful piece of painting. And, and, and I always, I, I think, I am surprised by when I have some kind of creation, you know, just video work or still photography work, I often find, find, you know, the similarity, like resemblance between my own artwork and those, you know, old masters painting and, and such. So I think it's in my blood, yeah. That that's, that's very hard, hard to put in words in particular way, but I kind of you know that's my yeah prana yeah. My, yeah. Um, just one more question from me, and then maybe you you three maybe ask each other a question if you want to do that. <laughs> just being mindful of the time slot we have for the festival, Jamie. I just uh, needed to ask you about this again, ask you a little more about making the score for your movies from your DNA. How does that process work? Um, so when I, when I was on my journey of discovering my identity and all the things that are involved with um, who I am, I, I went through DNA testing through Ancestry.com um and got all my results back and with the results comes your um chromosome codes for each chromosome um and it was just this long intense pdf file of different numbers and letters um and when i saw that at the time i was studying coding so i just immediately thought that it would be possible to um, translate that code into a musical score. Um, and so I worked with one of my friends to create an app that translates those um, that code into um, a score that um, you can add any kind of instrument or sound to. Um, and then it it also harmonizes um, to different chords as well. Um, so that was the starting process of, of that part. Um, and so we go through 
different kinds of sounds. I, I've done a whole lot of tonga puhoro, which is uh, Māori instruments. Um, and I we also did a line of um, using nature as well. So birds, um, uh, the water, um, there's a wind one, um, there's a whole lot. So I've got a, a large library of different um, DNA sequences ready to go. Um, and then I also do a lot of collaboration work with uh, different musicians. Um, so they add their parts as well. Um, a lot of them are my family members, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it's so cool to be able to, like, utilise uh, your family members in that way. Um, it, it just gives, like, another level of, um, um, I don't know what, what I'm looking for, Modi, I guess, to the soundscape. Um, yeah, and then I, I kind of work out the score like a, how I would if I was to do a DJ set, which is you start off um, lower BPMs and then there's a certain peak in the middle and then you come back down towards the end. Um, yeah, so that's the basic uh, version of a soundscape. But um, usually those soundscapes will have many different layers um, and different aspects that will come in and out, especially if I'm doing a VJ set. Brilliant. Uh, I encourage everyone to go along to one of Jamie's VJ shows or her gallery shows or <laughs> film screenings. Um, so we've got just a few short minutes left um, in our allotted time slot. Does anybody... Have any questions for anybody else on the panel today? Um, I, I have a question for both Jay and Nova. Um, what are you working on presently or something that is coming up that you're really excited about? I'll go to you, Nova. Hi, <laughs> Kira. Thanks, Jamie. Um, I've just worked on a project, so... <laughs> Actually, the film Rako came out of a larger project. Um, so that Rako I made is a sort of test run, and I've made a film called Hawaii, which is a, a space that uh, Tupuna gave us, which should be a refuge that we could go to. Uh, but it's also a place where we're um, connected. But Hawaii is going to be at some film festivals soon to be announced and um, is, um, and then in the middle of the year next year, I'm doing two quite large solo shows with that project, which makes the project into a 50-minute film. Yeah, so wow. that's a big piece of work for me. Um, that, mm. that yeah, Rako is really like whatever you do you, when you make experimental film, you have experiments. <laughs> so mm. Rako is an experiment out of that space. And actually it, uh, the, Hawaii has five chapters with five trees. You know, each tree has a Piraka under it, a story under it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Fantastic. The project. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But yeah. yeah. How about you? We, yeah. we can back to you too, Jamie, at the end. Thank you. Sorry, Jay. Yeah, for me, uh, I, I've been recently working on uh, video work, like do your projection video work, uh, possibly show at Robert Hill Gallery uh, late 
uh, late uh, April next year. So, so this time I, uh, I'm continue working on 3D animation using Blender software, and uh, and I'm making this uh, 3D uh, iceberg on the ocean and sort of, you know, voyaging through different, like, weather condition. Wow. From timeline, you know, from from dawn till overnight, sort of one day journey of iceberg. That's what I'm, yeah. Awesome. What about you, Jamie? Um, well, yeah, I've just finished a, a large piece of work that is showing tomorrow night at Webb's Gallery. Um, I'm venture. I've been experimenting with um, light boxes, so it's uh, the A1 size, which are quite big, um, Taniko um, boxes. Yeah, so that, and then um, I've also might be VJing at RMV back back at home in Gisborne for New Year's, which is crazy. Um, because I've never done a, a large festival or wow. um, I also need to learn I also need to learn the software before that mm. time. Um yes, yeah, so that's quite exciting. And then um next year um I will be curating the visual side of the Kiamo Festival. So I'm really cool. big mm. things, um big scary things actually. Yeah. Um, you know, things that I haven't done before, but I'm looking forward to it. Kia ora. Well, that's a brilliantly optimistic note to end. Uh, so many good things to look forward to in 2023. Uh, thanks so much to all of you for being part of this kōrero. Uh, we could have talked for much longer, but this was all very good. Um, and thank you to the festival as well for uh, inviting us to come into the space and uh, share these conversations. Namihi, Mark. Namihi, Manui. Moto kōrero e tēnei rā. Thank you very much. Kamsa mira. Thank you.